0: In today's episode, I am joined by Dr. Tish Taylor to delve into the topic of parenting ADHD in children with wisdom and grace. We discuss the importance of establishing structure and routine within your home to help your children navigate life's challenges without everything always feeling like an emergency. Dr. Tish Taylor shares about the impact of food on behavior and shares about the scientifically observable brain patterns associated with ADHD. We discuss the crucial aspect of learning how to regulate our own emotions as a parent. I share a little bit of my own story as well, and we talk about how self-evaluation of our own patterns and behaviors can really empower us to become better parents to our children. If you enjoy this conversation, be sure to share with a friend or family member, tag us on stories in let us know what you thought of the conversation. And as always, I'm so thankful to have all of you here. If you haven't had a chance to rate and review the podcast on iTunes, it would mean so much if you could take a second to do so. It helps tremendously for the preparation of the podcast and the continuation of the podcast to have that feedback and to ensure that I'm doing the best job that I can possibly do. So I love y'all. Thank you for being here. And let's jump into today's conversation. Hey friends, we were never promised that life would be easy. Sometimes it is hard and super crazy, but when we do life together, we find that it becomes a lot easier and much more fun. I believe in joyful life in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. I love to dig deep and talk about the really raw things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I'm also passionate about sharing practical tips that have helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. We will laugh together and struggle together. You will hear honest insights on strengthening your faith and your marriage, parenthood, how-tos, and so much more so that you can live life and live it with joy. I am Lindsay Maestas. Welcome to the Living Easy Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Living Easy with Lindsay. I am so excited to be here with you all today, especially because this topic is... I believe truly important for parents to have knowledge and wisdom on. And today we're going to be speaking with Dr. Tish Taylor about what it means to parent ADHD with wisdom and grace. So hi, Dr. Tish. How are you? I am great. How are you, Lindsay? I'm doing well. I am drinking my coffee and my boys are both (laughs) at school today,
1: so I am
0: breathing a little bit after mother's day. Did you have a nice mother's day?
1: I did. Yes. Uh,
0: did you do anything special?
1: Well, I had to have a few mom chores in there to be honest. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I couldn't get away with it. Um but no, it's just I got a little more time with the kids and How old
0: are your kids?
1: Mine are 12 and 13.
0: Okay. Okay. So tell me a little bit about how you got into this realm of ADHD. What compelled you to start researching and studying and writing a book about it?
1: Oh my gosh. So, well, I think it's a journey. As you know, my career I'd say is a journey. Um, yeah. So I, I really started, I was a school psychologist in my early years out of grad school. And okay. then um, after I went back and got my PhD, I Eventually, then, well, then I got my licensure for private practice or clinical practice um, as well and started a clinical practice. And we're working with all kinds of children, but I've been doing evaluations all along, even okay. in schools. So I did a lot of ADHD evals, saw a lot of kids and young kids um, with some of those hyperactive, impulsive, or inattentive concerns. And it just, you know, isn't was an area of interest. I was treating it a lot. Mm -hmm. And so I've just continued to gain more experiences and education Mm -hmm. over the years.
0: I love that. I would love to hear just, i mentioned before we started this call, you guys to Dr. Tish that I have two wild boys and I would love to know how you discern or how you would encourage parents to discern the difference between energy and joy and just being a kid and ADHD. And I know you have to evaluate and analyze each person, but are there, is there anything that is definitive in between the two?
1: Well, I think with younger children, it's, it can be a little trickier because ADHD is a neurodevelopmental disorder. Mm -hmm. And so what you're saying is there's a lag in this area of development. And when we talk about young children, we're talking about energetic children, yeah. I mean, for the most part. Right. And so you don't want to, you know, label or put a label on a child when they're just being who they are. Mm-hmm. And it's in some range of typical development. When we start to look at ADHD more closely, we, we try and give the child enough age, right? Sure. Enough, you know, so a lot of professionals will say, you know, at least kindergarten mm-hmm. um, before we make, try and make that determination. But what, what you would, what you would look for is you would look for a really persistent pattern when you're seeing like, whoa, this, you know, the the hyperactivity or the impulsivity is a lot. Mm. And it it's causing issue, right? It's causing issue at home, um, uh, with peers probably. Um, and then it starts to cause issue at school.
0: Yeah. And, okay. and then
1: and then it starts to seem like more
0: so than other kids. Mm-hmm. And when you say issue, is it that- that. So I I think back to my husband, he, when he was little, he was in a grocery store and he was with his dad and he was bouncing off the walls. Some lady came up to Jesse's dad and said, you know, they have medication for kids like him. And now he never struggled with focus. He never struggled with school. He had a great social life but he had a lot of energy. So when you say it causes issue at home or at school, is it that? Is it the focus aspect? Is it the behavioral aspect and the ability to be social? What are those issues that you typically see when ADHD runs rampant?
1: So when you diagnose it, mm-hmm. you can either diagnose hyperactive impulsive type. So that and so that's a little bit obvious, right? So it's mm-hmm. uh, you know, hyperactive behaviors beyond what we would expect. And so it's not like you're just, you know, you have a really hyperactive day. It's like, you know, it it really is pervasive. And and there's impulsivity that goes with that. Like, you know, I I've had parents tell me, I mean, I mean, I like have to latch onto them because they will dart in the parking lot, in the street, um, you know, beyond when they would know to, you know, just stop and wait. Sure. That's just one small example. Yeah. You know, would be in a, a whole picture of things. Now there's also ADHD inattentive type, which is more about focus, concentration, distractibility. You can have both components or you can have one of the other.
0: Okay. Okay. This is so interesting to me only because I haven't done, a lot of research into it. And I find that when I get on social media platforms like TikTok, everyone is kind of diagnosing themselves with ADHD. It's almost a trend (laughs) now to have ADHD. Um, And so I'm curious, would you say that ADHD is a disorder or is it a different way of thinking and processing information that needs medication? So it is considered a neurodevelopmental disorder. The,
1: I I think what can be confusing about it is, you know, when do we diagnose it as a disorder? Mm -hmm. And when we're diagnosing something as a disorder, we're saying it impacts your life in a significant way and in a way that's, you know, causes you problems or issues and it gets in the way, Mm -hmm. it gets in the way. So that's at the point, point. and we're looking at those characteristics. There's some defining characteristics within the diagnostic criteria that we're looking at. And so like, for example, when I do evaluations or other professionals would do evaluations and we're looking at it closely, we're looking at, you know, other pieces like, is there anxiety that may be, you know, causing what this is? Is there any learning issue that might be causing what this is? Um, so we're trying to be discerning and we're trying to be comprehensive in some ways, um, but always trying to decide, one, is it beyond what's typical? Two, is it causing challenges, problems for the child? Mm-hmm. And lots of times I have parents saying, I've already tried A, B, C, D, and E, and still, you know, it, it it's probably struggles.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I have someone in my life who does not believe in ADHD at all. They believe that, and I don't laugh because of her. It's just she and I have a funny relationship where we were able to discuss things we disagree on. So, but she has said, ADHD doesn't exist. It's a parenting issue. What would you say to that? Well, I would say that,
1: um, you know, given some of the advancements in science and technology, we do have even some observable evidence. Mm -hmm. Um, So there really have been brain scans where we can actually see they've done some comparison and you can see differences in volume. Um, with brains with ADHD versus those that do not. Hmm. And I will just say over the years, gosh, I've been in practice for, I've been pre- professional for almost 30 years. Um, wow, good for you. So I've seen a lot of children and teens. And I've also seen many, many on medications. and And so it's hard to say there's not a chemical component as well. Um, given some of the effect that you do see. And I have seen some instances where children, I think who are not strongly ADHD, who have have medication and it doesn't have a very good effect. Now, that is not the litmus test for ADHD. Try medication and see, and then you do or you don't. That's not the litmus test for it. But I I just, having seen thousands of children over the years, I'm convinced that there's (laughs) aspects of how our executive functions develop Mm -hmm. And in some instances, that development lags.
0: Yeah. That's so interesting. I, I would love to look further into that, to see the brain scans and physical evidence, which I'm sure is also very freeing to parents sometimes to see, okay, this is real. It's not in my head. It's not that I just can't handle my child or I'm not a good parent because I'm sure that in moments of maybe disobedience or even hyperactivity, there are, Feelings occasionally of what am I doing wrong? And one thing that I'm curious of, you mentioned chemical. Would you say that there is some sort of effect? Would you say that there is an impact, negative or positive, on ADHD when it comes to the food that you eat? Well, so nothing has been,
1: so I will base all my answers as best I can on what we know through research. Sure. And so there's really nothing that's been definitively teased out with research in that regard. Okay. But what I will say is I've seen I've seen kiddos where parents will say, I swear to gosh, if they have red dye 40 or if they have X amount of sugar, whoa. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I'm not putting aside individual cases because you know your kid. Yeah. Um And we all, we can all see that, but at holistically speaking, what we really think it's, it's more of a development of how certain neurotransmitters are activated or not activated, which happens within development and probably those structures, the prefrontal cortex, plus other structures within the brain, um, how quickly they're developing or how effectively they're developing.
0: Mm. Yeah, that's so... For us, a lot of what we see in our, and my boys are not, they do not have ADHD, have not been diagnosed, but I have noticed similarly that when they are eating a lot of sugar or when they are, I think eating a lot of just junk food, they also just feel kind of yucky. And when you feel yucky, I feel like as a human being, you kind of act out or you, don't act, feel, act like yourself and they are younger. So they have a harder time communicating it. So for us as a family, we've noticed that the more we just implement small things, vegetables and fruits for them to eat, the more they feel like themselves and feel a sense of, of health and ability to be more active, which then helps to, kind of navigate the emotions and the feelings that they're feeling. But that's so interesting that there hasn't been anything definitive because I do, again, you know, TikTok doctors who are not actually doctors are have been defining so much. And that's why I think it's so important to have people like you, Dr. Tish, who can really specifically say, hey, this is what research has found and, and hasn't found. Um, one thing that I'm curious about, so in your book, Parenting ADHD with Wisdom and Grace, you talk about you're going to challenge traditional approaches to discipline for children with ADHD. Can you explain why some punitive measures may not be as effective and maybe what alternative strategies you would recommend for parents who are struggling to manage their children's ADHD?
1: Sure. So the the punitive strategies, right? I don't know if some parents might be spanking or you know, you're just sent to the corner or maybe even time out. But what happens is that that's, it, it ha- would have to happen over and over and over again. And so when you really have a case when ADHD is present, the child doesn't seem to learn mm. from the consequence. Like they keep doing the behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because they're lacking inhibition, right? They're often impulsive and they're lacking inhibition and they're lacking that regulation. And so you find yourself punishing over and over, and then it becomes a negative interaction. And then what starts to develop is a neg- more of a negative parent-child interaction. And I see a lot of times um, the kiddos can turn that negativity on themselves, mm. right? Then they feel like they're a bad kid; they're always in trouble, and a lot of frustration develops yeah. for the
0: parent and the child. Mm-hmm. So, how would you recommend in moments of overwhelm. So say the home just feels like chaos for the parents and they don't feel like they have the tools or resources to manage it. Mm -hmm. Do you have any of like top tips that you typically recommend to parents to help them not only process it within themselves, but also navigate it with their children?
1: Well, I think, I think it's really important as a parent to, to step back and when you have some space, I always say, when you have some mental space um, and you're able to kind of step away and then just kind of look at your life and your schedule and how your family flows and what you have going on, um, because that's unique to all of us yeah. and, and figure out where, where might we, where might we be creating more stress where we don't need to. Mm-hmm. And and what essential things might we be lacking in? So, you know, not long ago, you mentioned nutrition. I mean, nutrition is important, mm-hmm. right? Um, where are we lacking in sleep or, or a consistent sleep schedule? Because that's hugely important. Mm-hmm. Are we lacking in exercise or being outside? Um, those things are hugely important. Are we lacking in positive family time or positive parent-child time? Those things are hugely important. So let's, let's, like you said, let's get those basic things down. Mm -hmm. And I think I, myself, I mean, we can improve on that at home. Mm -hmm. Like it, life is so busy. And I think with the, with the added addition of screens and those things that are distractors and organized activities for our
0: children all the time, um, (laughs) <laughs> it's easy yeah. to get overwhelmed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, in mentioning screens, is that something that you have researched in relation to ADHD? And if so, are there any factors of the amount of screen time that is correlated with ADHD or are they two separate things?
1: Well, that's a great question. And I think we have a lot to learn mm-hmm. about it still because it, it has, as you know, it's,
0: it's so new. Know, it's-
1: Catapulted, yeah, you know, and you know, I know those questions about how is that changing our brain, especially with our young children, because mm-hmm. you know, so much of our brain is still being wired as young children. Mm-hmm. That that is a great question, but I can tell you, there's some preliminary research that I've seen that it, for the kiddos, I think especially with ADHD, hyperactive, impulsive type, there's a higher addiction rate. Mm-hmm with um, tends to be video games for boys and social media for girls. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, so I would say to parents, if if you do have a kiddo with ADHD, regulate that screen time from, you know, younger ages on as much as, you know, what what's reasonable. Mm-hmm. The American Academy of the, let's see, the American Pediatrics Academy or the American Academy of Pedi- Pediatricians, maybe that's the right way to say it. They do have a guideline for that. Um, but it does get tricky because so much of it is in schools too. So it's like, how do you just say two hours a day when it's everywhere? Mm
0: -hmm. I know.
1: So I've come to, I've come to, okay, when are we, when do we have the screens off? Right. A a reasonable amount of time before bed for sure. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, there's times in our day where we have to say, you know, there's just some screen free time where we're outside or we're doing other things. So I've, I've come to that to be honest, to just try and be practical with people.
0: Yeah. I love that. The perspective of that. One thing that Jesse and I have been praying about a lot is being more proactive than reactive. We were feeling this sense of chaos in our home almost every day. And we were like, this can't be normal. This can't be what everyone else is feeling. And we're both working parents and the boys are young, and they've been high energy since birth. (laughs) Our pediatricians (laughs) even made comments like, wow, they can move. So it's something God is testing us in, in, especially me. It's been very good for us to step back and say, okay, what are the things that we're seeing that are causing this chaos? What are the things that we can maybe eliminate or shorten, I guess, the length of time, such as screens, what are things that we can implement to help create the calm? And so much of it is a schedule and a routine that we're seeing when the boys have that schedule routine, when we have that schedule and routine, it can help us so much to know what to expect. It also has really helped us, all of us, I think in not feeling like there's always an emergency, like, okay, it's time to shut off the screens now. Okay. It's time to go outside. Okay. It's time to do the dishes, but instead having a plan to say, okay, this is how much time is allotted for screens each week. And this is what it looks like daily. And having that written out on a schedule, this is what our outside time looks like. Have these things been completed? Have you read a book? Have you Mm -hmm. done your chores? Have you spent some time outside? all these, then you can have screen time. And then also, Hey, we set alarms in 10 minutes. We're going to do the dishes. And so how would you say in your opinion and experience routine and structure impacts a home or children with ADHD? Is it beneficial? Is it dependent upon the family and the child? I would say routine and structure is
1: helpful for all children. Um, especially younger children. But then if you have a child with ADHD, I think it's even more important Okay, because ADHD is a disorder of regulation, Mm -hmm. right? I'm not able to regulate myself as much as I probably need to or would be expected to. And so if there's not a lot of regulation or unpredictability within the home, that makes them feel a little more chaotic maybe, or it yeah. sometimes can, incre- can increase stress. Sometimes you get secondary anxiety mm-hmm. from ADHD when things are not well regulated. So, but I do see a lot of parents who also have ADHD or features of ADHD when their child does. So if that's the case, you know, think, okay, I've got to put my mask on first, right? Like just mm-hmm. the, like an oxygen mask. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there are ADHD coaches out there who are not therapists, sometimes we do need therapists, but ADHD coaches are also out there. Um, so if you as a parent are having a hard time yourself, think how can I get some professional assistance if I need it or get myself treated if I need it. The other thing I would say is, you know, if you're a two parent home or or you have two homes, You know that the co-parenting piece is important, but I also understand that sometimes there are challenges within the co-parenting piece. For Mm -hmm. you know, you have two homes, or the co-parent you know parents may not see eye to eye on certain things. So, as much as you can, you know, maybe if if you yourself created a schedule, you know, for the home and suggested it or tried to implement it as best you can.
0: I mean, you can you can do that. You can take those steps. Mm. I have a friend who. Navigate, she's a stepmom and navigates the differences between her home environment and the home environment of the other parent. And mm-hmm. I grew up in a divorced home and had wildly different um, expectations and rules in each, in both homes. So it's very interesting to consider how this affects and plays into the behavior of the children. But I love that you said that while parents may have ADHD, or even if they just struggle to understand how to process high energy or lack of attention, that they can themselves regulate their emotions. So as a parent, when maybe you don't have any control over what's happening in the other home, And you're having to learn to regulate. Are there any tips that you have when it comes to truly regulating emotions before reacting to a behavior?
1: Oh, as the parent. Yes. Right. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Take (laughs) a breath. Take a breath. Honestly, I find even for myself, I find that, um, you know, it's one thing for me to do it in the office. It's another thing for me to do it at home Sure. to just be totally honest. Um, if I can just even remember to take a breath and not react right away. Mm-hmm. Right. That's, that's my first step. <laughs> just take a breath and think. Right. And, and I know what you said just a few minutes ago, everything's not an emergency mm-hmm. right now. If there's, if, if a kiddo had somehow got a hold of fire or something, you know, that's sure. an emergency. I get that. Um, but most things are not an emergency. So we don't have to react in terms of an emergency. And so I think in order to do that, we have to have our own mindset and our own mental health in as calm of a place as possible. Mm -hmm. You know, as adults, we have our own stresses. And, and when you have younger children there, you know, there's demand, there's a lot of demand and need. And so it takes a lot of your energy and a lot of your focus. So when you can carve out those little times in the day to just kind of take a breath, do what you need to do. If it's, meditation if it's prayer if it's just go outside if it's just whatever it needs to kind of refuel yourself try to do that so in those moments you can stop and think how do I want to react to this
0: mm, that's good. And,
1: and usually i think it's it's an opportunity to teach
0: to teach yeah. something well and speaking of teaching in the title of your book you're talking about parenting with grace how do you as a mom try to implement grace into your home with your own children?
1: Oh, such a good question. I wish I did it perfectly. (laughs) (laughs) Same. (laughs) I think I try to implement it like respect, Hmm. understanding. And if it doesn't go perfectly, can we come back and can we talk about it or maybe do it over or say, okay, maybe next time let's do this. And so I think within that, trying to give each other some grace. And I'm appreciative when my own children give me grace Mm -hmm. and then I try to give them grace. And so there are times I can think of where, you know, I've been frustrated with them and then I come back and I try and maybe understand where they're coming from or they're trying to tell me where they're coming from. And in those moments, we can give each other grace.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love hearing that you worked in schools because I'm always thinking of my boys and the battles that they go through within the school system and having somebody who they can speak with and having that help and that resource is so incredible. But also the four walls of our homes are so crucial to, like you said, having that peace within yourself. My mom told me that once, Lindsay, in order to have a peaceful home, and a peaceful motherhood, you have to find that peace within yourself. And for me, so much of that is counseling. I actually have a counseling appointment in like two hours that I'm so excited for. I love going to counseling because it helps me to, to self-evaluate and to understand my heart and why I respond the way I respond sometimes in a way that I don't love or why I act out and kind of looking back at my history, but it also helps to point me to Jesus and to come to a place where I can step back and see what I desire for my home, what's called, what I'm called to within my home and how to live that out. But a lot of the time, there's so many parents who are doing this on their own and they just don't have the resources and community I always say, you know, I probably wouldn't still be married if it weren't for my best friends because they let me cry on their floor and they encouraged my heart and they spoke truth into my life. And I think it's the same for parents that if you can find a village or a counselor or a pastor or a friend who can love on you in the difficulty and help to bring that peace into your life that maybe you weren't raised with, it can be so helpful just to have that ear or that shoulder that you can go to, um, or to find, like you mentioned, Dr. Tish to have coaches or somebody who is able to give you that wisdom. Um, and so speaking about having that wisdom and having that peace within yourself, can you talk a little bit about the importance of fostering self-esteem and resilience in your children? Because I think that there are some critics who say, that you're coddling your kids if you are fostering self esteem, that we're like this weak generation, right? Where the, I don't know if they say it, the snowflake generation or whatever it is, where we don't have grit or toughness. So there's this balance between teaching resilience and also teaching self esteem. So, can you talk a little bit about? what it looks like to emphasize self-esteem in a child's life?
1: Sure. And I'm guessing the criticism is coming from everything gets praised. Yes. Right. Yeah. Kind of like the
0: participation trophy.
1: Right. Right. Everything, everything deserves a praise and a good job. Um, You know, so I think about it like, you know, in the long run, I'm trying to teach coping strategies. I'm trying to teach you to cope. Mm-hmm. and adapt, right? Cuz when you leave my care, you need to learn how to cope and adapt because some things will hit you hard and some mm-hmm. things will be hard. Um and then probably in childhood and adolescence you're going to experience some of it too, but but when you're an adult, you're really going to experience it more on your own. I mean, you have support. So I would say to give honest honest feedback. I, it, it's good to give children praise. I mean, we all like to hear you you do this well or you did that well or mm-hmm. you you tried hard. You know, we all need to hear some of that. Um, We just don't have to do it for every single little thing. Yeah. Right. Especially if it's not honest. Mm -hmm. So I believe in honesty, but I believe in in delivering it with love and caring. And I'll just use the word grace.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No, I love that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love the pointing them to truth because I think, I mean, the honest, hard truths That I've received from my husband or from my friends are some of the most effective heart-changing truths that help me to grow and to be self-aware. Equally, they can be painful, and it's never easy to hear you're not great at something. But I think what it does is it gives us the ability to look inward instead of blaming our circumstances, blaming others, and instead taking responsibility for our behaviors while also encouraging the good behaviors. I recently read in a book that when we are willing to praise someone, we are really exemplifying what's in our hearts because it's not always easy to praise someone, not necessarily just a child, but anyone in our lives who is maybe doing better than us or doing really well, we have more of a tendency to wanna criticize. And to fix and to make people more like us, or if they're doing better than us, we want to make them feel a little bit smaller. And in this book, it was saying that if we have a hard time praising somebody, we should really look inward and determine what is it that is preventing you from rejoicing with those who rejoice or praising those who deserve it. But one thing that you can do if you're worried about like boosting an ego or building this this false sense of self-esteem is that you point to the work that God is doing in their lives that you say, wow, you are such a hard worker. And I see that God has instilled in you this beautiful work ethic that you're pointing to the creator. You're pointing to the good that is being done in their lives. And it's not boosting the accomplishment, but you're boosting or encouraging the work that has gone into it and What is the gifting that is in their hearts? And that's been really good for me with my boys where I'm not like, Oh, a hundred percent great job because I know for myself that created this perfectionistic mindset. Mm -hmm. Um, But instead saying, I can tell that you did your best, or I can tell that you practiced and you worked really hard and that I'm so proud of you for that. And I can tell that that helps my oldest son, who's very much a perfectionist. With that said, with having the sense of regulation, with parenting with grace, with building upon self esteem in our children, I really do think everything you're saying, there's so much fruit to be had in a home. And many of us were not raised with these resources like your book. So, can you talk to our audience? And this will be my last question. What would you say that you really hope your reader gets out of your book once they have finished? reading it?
1: Um, Patience and and a sense of, you know, I can do, I can do this
0: Mm -hmm.
1: because you can, Mm -hmm. right? It's just a matter of understanding your child, what those needs are. And sometimes extra needs are, we think long-term as parents. I mean, we think short-term, but we also think long-term, right? What's our end goal. And so I do, one thing I do talk about is, you know, you will have your mind on the short-term goal, for sure. But also don't forget the long-term goal. So that means it's a journey and it's a process. (laughs) You will get there (laughs) and your child will get there. So you can do it, of course.
0: Well, thank you so much. Thank you for being on and for your wisdom. And I just, I do feel that in our society, it's so helpful to have wisdom and knowledge shared by people like you who have so much experience with families and with children. And for you to take your time and implement that into a book that can be shared so widely and And just received so widely, I think is such a beautiful gift. So thank you for writing your book because it's Um, going to continue changing lives, your wisdom and experience and your gifts. Um, And so everybody, I will be sure to put the link to Parenting ADHD with Wisdom and Grace by Dr. Tish Taylor in the show notes. Um, And can you share where our audience can find you the best place that they can keep up with you?
1: Right. Go to tishtaylor.com. And I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, Okay, Um, but you can go to tishtaylor.com and you'll find everything there.
0: All your resources. Okay. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Well, thank you all for listening and for being here with Dr. Tish and I, we are so honored to just have you join us on our Tuesday. And as always, if you enjoyed this conversation, please be sure to tag us on Instagram, share any pieces of knowledge that were shared today that you gleaned from. And learn from so that we can share with others who may be struggling with something similar. And um, as always, we love you guys and we'll talk to you next week.